Welcome to the new Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Docs in a Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Tamika Perry and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now, here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Tamika Perry. Well, hello there and welcome to Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron. We come to you every week with a discussion of a variety of medical-related issues and more, dealing with Medicare-eligible seniors, their families, and others. And we try to provide information and a little bit of entertainment along the way. We hope you enjoy what you listen to and hear on Docs in a Pod. Our co-host is Dr. Tamika Perry. We're delighted, as always, to have her with us. Uh, Dr. Perry is a specialist in family medicine, a graduate of Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. She received her BS degree in biology and biological sciences from Prairie View A&M University. And if you give her a minute, she'll spend an hour telling you about <laughs> Prairie View A&M. She attended the University of North Texas, where she earned a master's of public health in health management and policy. And she's a, a co-founder of the Redbird Community Center Clinic and a founding member of Uptown Health and Wellness Center up in the Dallas area. She's also a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, Dr. Perry loves to travel, cook, listen to music, and read. And she is also an associate medical director for WellMed Medical Management. Wow, Tamika, you're doing a lot of stuff. I almost felt like after you did that introduction, I should walk across the stage and do like the pageant wave. That's what it felt like. You know what I mean? That sounds so awesome. Thank you, Ron. And then break into song, right? Right, right. Break into my, my talent portion. You know what I mean? Well, tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today with our special guest, because uh, you wouldn't think that as a physician, uh, kind of paperwork like advanced directives and living wills are important, but it turns out they are. They're super important. In fact, Medicare requires that as physicians, we have that conversation or at least present the information to our patients. And Dr. Cruz will tell us what these documents are. And they're not so scary. Patients often think when you say living will, am I going to die or advanced directive or what are you trying to say? No, it's just preparation. It's not that scary. Well, let's bring in our special guest today, Dr. Sarah Cruz Luna. She's with Optum in Myrtle in Florida. And you find her at the Optum Myrtle Clinic in Clearwater. She earned her medical degree from Ponce School of Medicine located in Ponce, Puerto Rico, completed her internal medicine residency at Ketter Medical Center in Ohio and her geriatric medicine fellowship at Wright State University in Dayton, Ohio. Dr. Cruz Luna is board certified in internal medicine and geriatric medicine. And when I asked her what people might be surprised to find out about her, she likes to hike. She's been to the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee, hiked in Puerto Rico, not yet to Kilimanjaro or Mount Everett, which would be more than just a little hike, I would guess. So, Sarah, thanks for joining us on Docs in a Pod. Yes, thank you for having me. As you take a look at what uh, Dr. Perry was talking about, the kind of paperwork that people need, uh, I I now understand why my PCP, I happen to be a well-med patient, why Mm -hmm. my PCP hounded me to get my (laughs) advanced directive and other documents done, which I did. Why is that important? Why does it matter? Well, it's important because, you know, different states have different variations, but they all, they all want to make sure that they, that they follow what what you want, what, uh, and every person, every competent adult has the decision to, to, 
to refuse treatment, uh, say, uh, the same as to uh, request treatment. And a lot of times when, you know, life happens, unfortunately, it can happen to anybody. This is not about age. This is not about uh, uh, disease. It can happen to anybody. Um, life happens if you're in a car accident, God forbid, or, or something that leaves you in a comatose stage, or you have a disease that's progressing like dementia. Um, and it comes to a point that you cannot make those decisions for yourself. Um, we we want to honor what your, your wishes. And when you leave that in writing, it makes it so much smoother and so much easier for the family to follow. Because it's not them making the decision, it's, it's you. They're, they're just they're talking about what you want. What are some of the things that you, if you're talking about an advanced directive, saying to that doctor and, and hospital someday, here's what I want done to me if I'm there for reasons that uh, require advanced medical care. What are the kinds of issues you deal with in an advanced directive? Well, there's there's two kinds of issues. There's the issues of, of not addressing it at all, which happens from the patient and from the doctor, because a lot of times doctors don't have enough time to talk about it, or uh, they, they are uh, afraid themselves to talk about it with their patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes when we actually talk about it, then the patients, they feel like, 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 like Dr. Perry was saying, like, what are you saying? Like, say I'm dying, like, what does this mean? Yeah, why are like, we talking about this now? It just came in for a hangnail. Why are we talking about this? Exactly. Why are we talking about death all of a sudden? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I didn't realize a hangnail could kill me. Exactly. Right. You, you just said my labs looked okay. Why are we talking about right. this now? Um, so, so that's. I think that would be the the the, the biggest uh, uh, thing with the with the advanced directives. Um, uh, what what we once we tackle it, what we want the patient is to to think about it, to consider themselves uh, in that situation. What are the things that are more important to them? What are the things that they have more value? Because everybody is different. Um, and usually we try to make our our advanced directives uh, paperwork here very simple, but we always leave a little paragraph at the bottom, so that patients if they have something very specific, like if they want to be an organ donor, or or they don't want to be an organ donor. Um, if they want to have a, a priest or a pastor or somebody there, if, if, if it came to that at the end of life, they can also add it to the, to the advanced directives. All right. Stay with me just a minute. I want to let folks know who may have just joined us. You're listening to Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry. We're talking about living wills, advanced directives, and related paperwork that becomes very important when you need it, and often when you need it. If you haven't done it, it's too late to do it. Our special Mm -hmm. guest is Dr. Sarah Cruz. Uh, She is with the Optum Clinic in Clearwater, Florida. And and what I was looking for, Dr. Cruz, uh, let's take feeding, for example. Uh, Some people will say, you know, if it gets to the point where you have to put a feeding tube in me, I don't want it. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. Yes. Yes. So um, the 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 main issues that it tackles is the life sustaining measures, uh, artificially life sustaining measures. So uh, artificial feeding would be one of them. Um, uh, intubation, being in a machine, you know, in a in a in a uh, intubated. Like um, a ventilator. Like a ventilator. Yes. Like a cardiopulmonary resuscitation. Like, would you like to have CPR or or, or medications to keep your blood pressure up and your pulse going and your heart going? Um, and again, uh, this is not the same as a do not resuscitate. Uh, a do not resuscitate is a different, it's a different paper that that we can talk about at certain stages of life. But the advanced directives talk about that moment in time when you are 
uh, unable to make those decisions for yourself, but the doctors are noticing that you're just not going to get better. Either you have an end-stage condition or you are uh, what they call a vegetable, you know, in a vegetative state. Um, so in those situations, most people wouldn't like to be kept alive artificially because you're not prolonging life, you're kind of prolonging death. Um, so in those situations, um, we and we like for people to live in writing because when we go ask the family, everybody has a different opinion. Everybody thinks about, you know, oh, but we can't pull the plug like they say, oh, but she doesn't want to live like a vegetable. And it, it becomes a, a, a battle in the family. And, and in the meantime, the patient is there, God knows, you know, you know, just, just being held alive by these machines and these interventions. You and mentioned pull the plug. A, a good mm-hmm. friend of mine, uh, uh, Gordon, told me a story one day, a true story. His father, uh, who had remarried after mm-hmm. uh, uh, Gordon's mom passed away, uh, his father fell and broke a leg at home and he was in the hospital. And Gordon got a call from uh, the, his father's doctor who said, Gordon, I have to talk to you. We've got a little situation here. Your uh, stepmother keeps asking me, to pull the plug on your father. And there, first of all, there's no plug to pull. There's no plug to pull. <laughs> He's only got a broken leg. And second of all, I thought you really ought to know about this. His father, by the way, was very wealthy. So uh, yeah. Gordon went to see his dad and said, Dad, uh, you know, I, I got a call from the hospital and, and said that, uh, uh, you know, your wife wants to pull the plug. And, and there's no plug to pull. Well, his father wouldn't believe it. Mm. Love is blind. Yes. Oh, yes. True story. And obviously, they didn't pull the plug, yeah. but <laughs> nor did the father listen to the advice from his son. Yes, yes. That probably going to come bite him later on. So when you talk about pulling the plug, mm-hmm. uh, so we all use that phrase. Mm-hmm. Well, what does it really mean? Well, what is it you're doing when, when they yes. say, okay, pull the plug? Yeah, so, so so when they pull the plug, there's a lot of bad misconceptions and a lot of bad connotations that come with that with that phrase. I use it because a lot of people, that's the way they describe it to me. Um, but what it means is pretty much turning off those machines and turning off those medications that are artificially keeping the person alive. And what I tell my patients is when we when we do this, the person, you know, may pass after a few hours. The person may pass after a few days. Persons may pass after a few weeks because we've we've seen that. Um, but uh, what the, what what at is, some what, point they'll die. At yeah. some point, yes, yes, yes. Of course, there are miracles, and some people want to believe in miracles, and that's fine. It, but but the expectation is that this patient will die, and we want to make it as peaceful as possible in the environment the patient desire to be. A lot of people want to be home, um, or or they're they're okay going to a hospice home. Um, so. If the more, the clearer you leave the information, you know, that your, your wishes with your family members and with your doctor, the easier it would be to, to make those decisions when the time comes. See, it's very interesting because uh, I'm happy to hear you describe it. The, the, the layman's feelings, mine, for example, would be, mm-hmm. all right, you know, you pull the plug, boom, they die. Yeah. No. That's not what you're saying happens. No. Uh, and I'm thinking of Jimmy Carter, for example, the former president who's mm-hmm. now been in hospice for nine or 10 months when the announcement came that he was mm-hmm. stopping uh, treatment for uh, his various ailments. Uh, a lot of us thought, well, okay, he's going to pass away. 
Yeah, yeah. Man, he's hanging in there. Yeah. yeah. And, and actually, hospice is a whole different uh, discussion, but people in hospice tend to do much better. And they tend to live longer and, and more satisfied with their care. Um, so hospice is not just for people that are dying like that last week of, of, of life. Hospice, they should be taking advantage like, like, like the president's doing. You know, in fact, I, I saw a study the other day uh, that uh, people on average uh, go into hospice and die two or three days later because they mm -hmm. waited too long. They waited too long, yes. To long. get in. Yeah. We'll talk more about this in advanced directives in a moment. You're listening to Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry, and we're talking with Dr. Sarah Cruz. And Dr. Cruz, you can find at the WellMed Clinic Optum Myrtle, the Optum Myrtle Clinic in Clearwater, Florida. This is Docs in a Pod. Hi, it's Drew Pearson for my friends at WellMed. As a Hall of Famer, I love it when a quarterback and receiver have a great connection. You can be part of a great connection too. Connecting WellMed's high-quality healthcare with the highest-rated Medicare Advantage plan helps you focus on staying healthy. Call 210-436-6005 or visit wellmedhealthcare.com slash connect. Drew Pearson is a paid spokesperson. Other plans are accepted. For full enrollment details, visit medicare.gov. We are so pleased you are joining us today on Docs in a Pod, the award-winning program. A podcast is available, by the way, wherever you get your podcast, and you want to take advantage of that. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor. Docs in a Pod over the years has covered almost any medical issue or topic you can think of, and we hope that you enjoy them. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Tamika Perry, our co-host, and Dr. Sarah Cruz is with us. Sarah Cruz is with the Clearwater Clinic Optum in Florida, and we're talking about advanced directives. And Dr. Cruz, you gave us a really good description of what happens when the basic layman term, pull the plug, goes on. Uh, you withdraw what, what are life-continuing services. And what I heard you say, and Dr. Perry, that's a neat way to describe it, they're not prolonging life. They're prolonging death. They're delaying death. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for the, the patients and the family to realize there's no right or wrong answer. It's the, it's the personal preference. But we want that personal preference documented and on paper before that time comes. Dr. Cruz and I have seen timeless, timeless, timeless accounts of patients, the family bickering, discord, mm -hmm. uncertainty when it comes to that time because there was nothing written down. There was no legal document. So it's so important that that is on paper. Dr. Cruz, what is the difference between, and for the, 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 the listeners, the medical power of attorney and the living will? Yes. So they are both part of what we call the, the advanced directives. So the, the living will is where you would put all these, these, these wishes about how you, how you if, if you want the life-sustaining measures to continue after an end-stage condition has been diagnosed or, or you are in a vegetative state. Um, and then the healthcare surrogate or the durable power of attorney is, is, a, is a competent adult that you designate to make those health, those health decisions for you in that event because you're not going to be able to. So it's not just about writing it in a piece of paper and giving it to the doctor and locking it away. You have to talk about these desires with 
at least one page person, ideally two persons. Again, like I, I'm saying, this is not just for people who are older and, you know, are, are very uh, sick. This is for everybody. So in my case, I, you know, I talk to my parents and I talk to my husband. Because let's, God forbid, again, I'm in a car accident and my husband's with me and he was my healthcare surrogate. Well, right. There goes that. So right. it's, it's good to have more than one person. Now, somebody uh, once said to me, Dr. Uh, yes. uh, Cruz, that uh, sometimes when you select that uh, person who you're giving that power of making decisions mm-hmm. to, that uh, if you give it to a loved one, very often they won't want to carry out what some of your views may be. They may not want to do a do not resuscitate. They may not want to discontinue life-saving treatment, that sometimes you're better off with someone who's not that closely related. I, I mean, I feel like, at least in my experience, uh, and what I what I found in the literature is that when, when people are open about this and they talk to whoever they choose, um, it's most likely that, that things are going to flow better uh, and things are going to flow according to your wishes. Um, again, because... They, you take the burden out of them making that choice. They know they're talking on your behalf. Uh, now, if, if they get presented with this document, like, listen, here, your mom signed this, you know, eight years ago. Uh, make, make, you, have to say, you have to say that we do what it says in here, but the mom never expressed those, uh, those wishes to the, to, the, to the son or the husband or whatever. Um, then, yes, it becomes a, conf- a conflict. It becomes very hard for that person to make that choice because they never got it to hear it from the person. Um, so that's interesting. You, you really need to tell the person you designate mm-hmm. as your power of attorney. Yes. You need to tell them that they, they've been the chosen one. Yes, yes. That they're the because ones that what we- a surprise if Dr. Perry calls mm-hmm. from the hospital and says, well, uh, Mr. Jones, your, your mom is here and uh, things are not looking good, I'm sorry to say. And she designated you with power of uh, uh, making these life-saving mm-hmm. measures. Should we pull the plug? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, and it's yes. the first time he's heard that he has that responsibility, exactly. right? Exactly. And he'll feel like, no, my mom wanted to leave and my mom. But but if you don't have the discussion that I'm sure your mom wanted to leave. But if in this situation, even I have it like that. In that situation, if, if I have a, that, a condition like that, again, like a car accident is one of the ones I use the most commonly. Um, and I'm in the hospital and they find that I have breast cancer that's metastasized everywhere. And I didn't know about it. Now we right. found it there. Um, right. In that situation, I, I, I don't see the point of, of keeping me artificially, you know, alive. For what? If, if, if I already have, I have an end stage condition um, or, or if, if there's so much brain swelling, again, there's I'm a, a, in a vegetative state is most likely things are not coming back. Again, what is the point of keeping me, you know, alive uh, by those measures? Um, but if the person never heard it from, from the source, it's harder to to swallow. So how does it work if uh, someone comes into the hospital, let's say they're in an auto accident, how do you know they have an advanced directive? So again, the communication with, with your healthcare surrogate is important um, and that they know where there's a copy. You should, your primary care should have a copy. Um, and, uh, and hopefully if that happens in the, in the, the area where you're at, because again, if you have an accident out of state, then your primary care may not even know that it happened. Um, so, so communication with your healthcare surrogates, with your family. So they know where there's a copy and they know your wishes. And the last, and the other one is that your primary care should always have a copy. 
Uh, okay. And, you know, this day and age in technology, um, in a person's phone, I make my daughter do this too. I always have them designated mm-hmm. in case of emergency person. So if she's in an accident and someone can get into her phone, they can say, call this person. Mm-hmm. You know, so whoever that person is, is your emergency contact, they should know your wishes. They should know who your doctor is, you know, who to call to get certain documents. So always make that known in this day and age. Um, Prior to this day and age, you know, I was actually taught in school and actually in my undergraduate years too, to have that document like in your car, like have it somewhere available on your person. So if something were to happen, um, if someone found a little card in your wallet or if in your glove box, if they got to it, they could see these are my wishes. But nowadays you can type all that information in your phone. And even if your phone is broken, it's somewhere. Mm-hmm. somewhere it's on a on a cloud it's the cloud it's in the cloud land. somewhere yeah it's somewhere <laughs> yes and the other thing i tell my patients to reassure them is that you can amend or revoke or or change the 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 the, the advanced directives at any point either the healthcare surrogate or the living will part so at any point again uh, I've, I've had patients they've been with me for 10 years the spouse passes or dies now we need a different healthcare surrogate so that the, the, this is a, is, I call it a living, a living document. It's not static. It's not like I wrote it now and 20 years is the same thing. Um, it should be addressed at least once a year with your primary care and, and, and updated maybe every five to 10 years, depending on the situation. Now, is this something we can do on our own? Do we need a lawyer? In Florida, you don't need a lawyer. Um, again, it varies by states and every state has like a slightly different form, a slightly different uh, variation of the same thing. Um, in, uh, in Florida, you just need two witnesses. One can be related to you and the other one has to be, you know, your neighbor or, you know, somebody that that's not related to you. It's the same in Texas. And then mm-hmm. one of the witnesses can't be in the doctor's office either in Texas. So, you know, you can have two witnesses or you can get it notarized. So I always give people the information the documents. And in Texas, it's on the, the state's Department of Health mm-hmm. Services website. Like, I'm sure it's the same in Florida. You can just print them off, literally. You can just print, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, print them off and fill them out. So I always tell the patient, no pressure. I'm not asking you to make any decisions here in the office. Go home, talk this over with your family, get a witness, get it notarized, bring it back. And so we can put a copy in your chart. And, and do you all as physicians get dinged by uh, Medicare if you don't fill that form out, if the patients don't do it? It's not that we have to have it filled out. We have to have the conversation. So we have to, part of one of their surveys, Medicare will ask them, did your doctor ask you, do you fall a lot? Did, did your doctor ask you, is your home safe? You know, did your doctor ask you about or, or tell you about advanced directives? So I have a standard like patient information sheet that I give to the patients and say, listen, not only does am I required to do this, this is really what's in your best interest. Read this over. Let me know if you have any questions. Talk about it with your family and bring me the forms back. And how comfortable are either of you making recommendations on the choices they should make? I don't make recommendations on people. I give people, I say, these are scenarios that could happen like Dr. Cruz. And this is what you may want to do in those scenarios. Occasionally, I will tell people anecdotally that I saw my father die of an end-stage illness that was kind of traumatic with like lots of chest compressions and pumping and stuff that at that time I told my ex-husband, I don't want that ever to be me. So Mm -hmm. I I wrote it down like, I don't want that to be me. And then I amended it. It says, do not ever let him make decisions for me. So, (laughs) but yeah, I just give recommendations. I mean, I just give, say, what what are the scenarios that could happen? And Dr. Cruz? 
Yeah, same thing. I, I usually, again, give scenarios. If I'm asked directly, I, I will give my my opinion as, as, as a human being with an advanced directives and as a physician. Um, but usually what I do is the different scenarios, the, the end stage condition, the vegetative state, the do you really want to keep prolonging death? Because if you put a tube here and a tube in the, in the stomach to feed you, doesn't mean, you know, that you're going to, it's going to be a full life. You're going to send you to like a rehab or some sort of like a nursing home prolonging death because eventually, yes, maybe weeks, it may be months, it may be years, but. And how long can somebody exist in that vegetative state? Oh, oh I mean, most of the time, most of the time they died down the road from an infection of some, of some sort. Because, you know, you have all these tubes and, and stuff. Uh, so they get pseudomona or some other like nosocomial infection and they end up dying from complications of that. Um, but there were, wasn't it Terry, Terry Schiavo? There, was, there, was, there are been cases of people that live with, with, with a breathing tube and a, and a feeding tube, you know. And I'm not talking about people that they, they use only the breathing tube, you know, when they're sleeping and, you know, they have the trach. I'm talking people right. that are, they're out. They're out completely. They, they, they can't. They can walk. They 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 they, they have to get ba ba bath. They have to be changed. It's they're just vegetative state. Um, and they've well taken care of. They can live years, but that's if you want to call that life. Wow. Yes. Well, that's the point. <laughs> we got to stop you right here. We really thank you for coming on, Dr. Sarah Cruz at the Optum Clinic in Clearwater, Florida. For Dr. Tamika Perry, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us today on Docs in a Pod. Executive producers for Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Natalie Ibarra. And associate producer is Isaac Wilker. Thank you for listening to Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And be sure to tune in next week for another edition of Docs in a Pod with Dr. Tamika Perry and Ron Aaron.